We told you that company earnings matter a lot for the balance between inflation and growth ahead. Where do we stand? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of May 16th, 2022, and this week, Julia and I are digging into earnings season for U.S. equities. Why? Because how companies are doing plays a large role into our view for the economy and markets ahead. This was a central theme in our second quarter outlook, the premise of which is that a high inflation environment means asset allocation has to depend on your view on whether economic activity can keep up with those prices. And it isn't indeed a high inflation environment. We said in our outlook that high inflation for this year is a given. And last week, we got the April price figures that very much back this up. Prices rose 8.3% from last April. And even though gas and energy are getting a lot of heat for driving prices up, we're seeing more broad-based price pressures. So to get into the real meat of our episode, it's not just consumers that are facing today's high prices, but also companies. Given those prices Julia mentioned, driven in part by a tight U.S. jobs market and the supply chain struggle to keep up with demand, companies are finding both input materials and labor are not just more expensive, but also harder to come by. And when faced with those higher input costs, companies tend to have three choices. One, raise prices for their consumers. Two, retrench. Or three, invest in additional capacity. And we don't even have to guess at which of these decisions companies are making. Earnings season is wrapping up as companies are reporting their financials for the first quarter of this year. That's exactly right. And most of the approximately 3,000 U.S. listed companies have already reported. And so far, the numbers point to Q1 being a solid quarter. As of our recording, which is today, Monday, May 16th, about 67% of companies have delivered positive surprises on earnings. And earnings growth for the U.S. market as a whole is currently at about 12%. The bottom line here is that earnings are still improving, but at a much slower pace than last year when companies were in full-blown recovery mode from the pandemic. And that provides a bit of comfort to know that the fundamental earnings picture is still relatively solid, even amid the crazy volatility we've seen in the equity market these past few weeks. Absolutely. It means that while other factors impacting market valuations, including the cost of capital or interest rates, are contributing to volatility, companies' activity, the major driver of economic growth, that part's still humming. So let's break those company numbers down a little further and link them back to the choices that companies are making around inflation. So first off, we've said that when faced with higher prices, companies can just raise prices themselves. Are we seeing evidence of that so far? In a word, yes. We can simply look at sales, aka revenue, versus earnings, which take that cost side into account. Maximizing revenue in nominal terms is probably the most seamless way for a company to get through an inflationary period, as long as their customers tolerate it. Top-line revenue for U.S. companies grew almost 17% this quarter, which is a slowdown from 2021 and driven by energy and real estate, which was the case last quarter as well. So basically, we're looking at the same trajectory of top-line revenue growth, slowing but still strong, and earnings. And that speaks to how companies are managing their bottom line. That leads us right into the second key way companies can respond to inflation, which is by retrenching. 
And that can mean a couple of different things or take a couple of different forms. Companies can cut costs or they can allow margins to slip, which costs a company in the short term, but can help a company to preserve their market share. So that's a strategic decision and more visible over time. Now, margins in the Q1 earnings season are slightly down, but if you look at the ratios that show how well companies are balancing revenues with profits, things like operating margin, profit margin, gross margin, all of these soared higher than they have ever been for U.S. companies during the big 2021 recovery, and this quarter shows only a slight dip. Okay, so basically you're saying that companies are suffering from higher costs, but they're managing those costs better than the market might fear? For now, yes, exactly. All right, so then what about our last menu item that you mentioned earlier, Julia, specifically when it comes to supply chain pressures? Companies have a lot of reasons to potentially invest in spare capacity right now as a means of fighting inflation in the future. You're right, they do. So the New York, Dallas, Kansas City, and Richmond Federal Reserve Banks publish six-month forward outlooks for capital expenditures. This is a sentiment survey in the manufacturing space. And all of these series are pointing toward positive sentiment or a willingness to invest. But the improvement of that sentiment after the COVID recovery is slowing. It's not all bad news, though, because we're still at levels similar to 2018, which you might recall saw a big CapEx push in the U.S. All right. So then to echo this trajectory, we're seeing in everything from pure economic growth to sales and earnings, still strong, but slowing. Now, I want to add one question mark or caveat here, because as economists and market analysts, we're trained to think of CapEx as only a good thing. But if companies are investing to offset supply chain risk, they are creating redundancies. They're building up inventories, for example. And so they're likely reducing business risk, which is potentially positive, but maybe not the productive capacity we like to see companies build. All right, Julia, anything else we're missing? Well, while we've been focused on the corporate side of things today, company earnings can also give us a sense of consumer health, the extent to which consumers are tolerating those costs being passed along to them and the like. The sector that can arguably give us the most insight there is consumer discretionary. For the sector as a whole, earnings have contracted by almost 7%, but the bad news there was led by discretionary products. Discretionary services, on the other hand, namely hotels, were a huge bright spot within that sector, and that really speaks to the continued post-pandemic reopening or normalization of the economy, which again is a key tenant of our recent outlook. This takes us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And to help us out today, we're sitting down with Amit Soni, one of the portfolio managers on our team and a favorite of the Market Matters podcast to discuss what he's seeing in the market. So Amit, corporate fundamentals as of Q1 have been strong, but there are other factors at play, cost of capital, market sentiment, et cetera. How do you see those balancing? Yes, on the surface, the Q1 story doesn't look too bad with earnings outpacing estimates by around 5%. But there are some signs of weakness in the underlying data. As you have mentioned, we are seeing some impact from higher costs for the companies and margins have already started coming down. And how about that movement under the surface? What are you seeing in terms of allocation ideas? So what really stands out to us is support for our overweight to value and underweight to growth stocks within the U.S. equities. We are seeing signs of some reversal in the trend of work-from-home culture that had boosted growth companies in the last couple of years. Within S&P 500, value and growth are delivering similar revenue growth, but value has much stronger earnings growth. Among the gig sector, energy, which also falls in the value sector, 
has some phenomenal growth in this quarter. Revenues are up 60% and earnings are up more than 200%. Wow, those are some pretty stunning numbers. Julia, what have we missed? Well, so that's the Q1 story, but we're already halfway through the second quarter, and we know that forward guidance, even more so than historic earnings, really matters most for the markets. So what are you seeing there, Amit? So there we see a big contrast versus what we saw last year versus what we see right now. So I've been looking at net revisions and forward guidance, the difference between the percentage of companies guiding up versus guiding down. And at the same time last year, far more companies were giving positive guidance versus negative. The difference was positive 31% last year at the same time. That same number right now is exactly the opposite, negative 31%. So it's a complete 180 degree reversal in the outlook. Wow. Okay. So the street is expecting a further deceleration in earnings growth in Q2 and Q3. But that's not entirely because the outlook is so dire, right? How much of that is due to base effects? Because we know that the 2021 recovery, as we've mentioned, was extremely strong. Yeah, I would say it's a mix where the fundamental risk to companies, the supply chains for manufacturers and tech hardware companies or the war in Ukraine for banks or multinationals, those risks make it tough to continue to grow off of that strong 2021 base, especially when we do have a less supportive growth environment going forward. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today, Amit. Thank you. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.